Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, welcome to Game Master's Studio. We're talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can do to help improve your game at home, and some... Advice on how to run a game. Uh, we are talking today about something we wanted to cover early on, and that is identifying your players. Before we get into that, though, let's meet the studio. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden. I'm a DM with almost three decades of experience, and I'll be host and moderator today. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional GM. And Ed. Who watches the Watchmen? This guy. Which guy? This guy. Also in the studio with us today, we have Garm. Garm's not going to say anything because he's a dog, uh, <laughs> but he is there for moral support. I love you, Rorge. So we are discussing player types today. Um, we previously went on finding players, bringing the players together. Uh, but it's really kind of important that we hit this, too, because it's important to know who you have, who you've got sitting around the table, how to bring them in, and dangerously enough, how to turn them off. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to have somebody shut down and make the game not fun for them because that's the easiest way to lose players. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a list of eight motivations that we're going over that was pulled up. Uh, we did not come up with these. We pulled them from elsewhere, but it's a good summary. Uh, The eight motivations being acting, planning, exploring, storytelling, optimization, action, problem solving, and watching. Uh, We're going to start today with acting, planning, exploring, and storytelling. These are the focusing on the role-playing side of the role-playing games. Uh, And next week, we'll be talking about the other four, which are a little more the people who show up for the purpose of playing a game. So we're starting with acting and actors, uh, people that are coming in to play a character. Uh, You see these people come in, they have an idea of what they're doing, uh, what they want to play, not necessarily their numbers, their systems. Uh, So identifying. How do you figure out who's an actor, who's not? Well, I'd say a lot of it comes to, uh, you know, how they present themselves when they start to play. They kind of... You can almost see some of them doing some sort of thing trying to get into character. Like, like for instance, you know, a player who wants to play a noble maybe pretends he's got his hands, you know, on his lapels and puffs his chest out a little bit. Or Also people who want to pretend they're playing Bane. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> tr- that's true, too. Mr. Wayne. Uh, yep. Uh, you're going to see those people. They're going to come in and you say, hey, so what's your character? They're going to start with, oh, well, it was a farm boy on a desert planet far away. Um, they're they're thinking in terms of who the person is rather than the numbers on the page. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, anytime a player comes to you before you, if, especially if you don't require backgrounds, but they come to you with a character background, or before you get to tell everyone to make a background, they're like, "So, on my background, right? Uh, blah 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 blah." You're like, "Oh, oh, okay, yeah." So they're gonna want to role play because if, if they're into their background and they're into their character, they're gonna be into you know acting and role playing exactly. Or if they at least have, at the very least, a character concept. Like, I want to play like this. Like, uh, 
you know, I've had I've had players who like they don't have a background, they they have no real idea, but they're like, I'm kind of going to play it like this character from this movie, mm-hmm. and they start doing that, and that kind of starts developing the character, and they're yeah. getting into the the acting portion of it. Yeah, which is a good way to kind of start creating a character persona too, especially if you're new to role playing or just new in general to the whole the whole concept is to just pick a character from a movie and then just kind of base your character around that, at least from like the acting standpoint and let your kind of character evolve from that. You know, that's actually a recommendation that I've made to players in the past when they're like, well, I don't really know, you know, I'm not really good at role playing and I'm not really good at acting. Like pick your, pick a character that you want your character to be like from a movie, from a book, from a TV show. Right. And then model your character after that. I don't even care if you give them the same name. Right. Know, especially if they're a new player, like, you know, I'm not looking for originality. I'm just looking for some creativity. Or you, you can look at what they're doing and make a suggestion off that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're playing a uh, a rogue who's a researcher. So are you thinking an Indiana Jones type? Yeah. And that might make it click for somebody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, I think with the actors, you're going to want to deal with people uh that are coming in from a theater type background, any or any of that performing arts, they're going to be doing a lot of of characterization, character development. I may be a little biased to that because I kind of come from a theater background as well. But uh, we were discussing the motivations, and one of my primary motivations, I'll say right off the bat, is the acting, bringing yeah. a character to life. Mm-hmm. Now, I've noticed though that not all actors are as uh, obvious or outgoing when you first meet them. I'd say one really good way to identify them is are they giving their character a special voice? Because they might be just kind of testing the waters with your group. Maybe they're a new player to your group. Right. You know, and they might just, you know, you know, they're they're playing, uh, let's say, a dwarf and they kind of they change their voice a little bit and they start talking like you're kind of a typical dwarf. <laughs> you know, something like that. I've been guilty of it. I will admit. But the the idea being is they do like that acting aspect and they're they're putting that voice in there to kind of uh, accentuate that. So that might be a good key to say, oh, they like the acting part. Maybe in future games or sessions, kind of try to bring that out, see what they do with it. Yeah, anytime a player perks up at social interactions in-game, yeah, you can kind of pretty much just, just assume, you know, Right off the bat, that they're going to be an actor. You know, if they've, oh, it's a fight, they kind of sit back a little bit in their chair, they grab their dice, all right, it's a fight. Oh, it's a social interaction, they sit up in their seat, they get a little bit more attentive. You look look for that body language. That's one of the key things you want to do at your table, anyways, when you're a game master, is just not only face, you know, reading, trying to read people's faces, but read body language. If someone's sitting up or like, or leaning on the, the table, the closer they are to the game or to you or to the table, that's showing engagement. You know, like they're engaged, they're interested in what's going on. If they're sitting back in a way and kind of you know losing um, eye contact, then you know they're they're disinterested in what's going on. So if you see your character, you know, your player perk up every time yeah. there's social interactions or role playing opportunities, whether they talk a lot or not, they're interested in what's going exactly. on. Exactly. You, your actor is also your least likely person to go. My character says X. Right. Instead, they'll just. Oh, I gotta do this now. Right, they will talk yeah, as yeah. their character. Yeah, and we—you've got to give them those chances. Um, like you were saying, if if they don't have those opportunities, if that yeah. doesn't come up, then they then they're going to lose interest. Right. Yeah, you have to make opportunities for them. You know, if you have a table full of actors, then there should be little fighting. Not no fighting. But there should be little combat in right. your average session. Your average session, I mean, there's always going to be thing, uh, sessions that are uh, you know out of the average, you know, uh, out of the ordinary. But if you're sitting there with a table full of people that perk up every time you get into a role-playing opportunity, whether you're like, I have 13 combats ready for today, 
and you offer one tiny little role playing section, but you know, and then everyone at your table is just like oh, role playing. Right. What's going on? And then they go, oh, fight, fighting, uh, whatever. And like, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to rearrange, sir. <laughs> yeah, you got to make that adjustment. I think as as a GM, that's a great tip in general. You know, if, if you take nothing else away from this, is is Watch your players, see what they're interested in, and give them what they want. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the players that are going to come back and go, that was a great game. I really had a lot of fun mm-hmm. because they got to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole rule for the whole purpose of this in the next episode is for identifying those players. Because if yeah. you don't know what your players, you know, fall, you know, generally, you know, one falls into one category exclusively. But if you can identify those opportunities and what your player types are, then you know how to build your games. You know, if you have, if again, if ninety percent of your group is role playing and you know, like one oddball of like an optimizing fighter person, which again we'll cover those topics in the next one. But then you know, okay, I need to make sure I have at least one really good fight every time, but a lot of role playing for most of my group. Right. Yeah, you definitely have to, uh, and and that's why we're doing this one, folks. You gotta identify your players and play to their try to play to their strengths. And actually, while we're on kind of the warning commentary page, let's. Be aware that the actor, one of the issues you may have with the actor at the table is the dreaded response of, but that's what my character would do. Right. Lamest out ever. Yeah. I mean, there are certainly situations where it makes sense. If if you have an idea of what your character would do and that it kind of fits everything, then go for it. But then there are other times where you have to consider you're playing a game and is what your character going to do, is it going to really disrupt that game? And if the answer is yes, then... Maybe see if you can figure out a way for your character to do something else. Yeah, there are exceptions to every rule. Just like the GM and the, you know needs to adjust to the players and to situations on how things have done, players need to be willing to bend their character concept in certain moments and maybe play a little bit outside what their original concept for their character was, as long as it's for the greater good. Not because the DM said so, per se, not because, you know, it will make everyone's life easier, but just because it's for the greater good of the story and for everyone at the table. Yeah, I, I was yeah. going to say that and by the greater good, we mean the game itself, not yeah, necessarily exactly. saving everybody in the in the game world, right. all the fictitious yeah. characters. So um, that's the actor. They have a character that they want to do that they want to portray. Um, the next step that we're going to is the planner, the instigator, the person who wants to make stuff happen. Mm. Um, it's just as valid a role-playing option as the actor, yeah. but instead of being character-focused, they're they're planning-focused. They have a long ter- they may have a long-term goal, and they're like, "I want to take over the valley. I want to I want to conquer the world with an army of undead. I want to find the best hat in all the land." Right. Um, I want to open the door that the rest of the party's kind of staring at uh, uh, and, and, and scratching their heads about. I want to kill the orc in front of the, the dark one. <laughs> and that's, that's, sorry people, in joke there. Uh, but that's the, the instigation side of it, which is the short-term planning. I want to do stuff. I want to make stuff happen now. You put a big glowing button in front of this person and the first time the party yeah. cannot physically stop them from touching it, it's getting pressed. And I, I, I think a lot of people might think that that part's negative. I, I wouldn't see it as negative. It makes things happen. Now, it can be negative. You could be playing the, the guy who's, you know, every time he sees a shiny, he's going to go after it, no matter the detriment. Uh, but there's also the positive of that is when you do have maybe a stall in a session, people are doing a lot of, you know, maybe outside planning. You have this this instigator who's like, 
you know, we'll give it some time maybe as a player, you know, and, and then just kind of be like, okay, I want to do a thing now, you know? Yeah. I honestly know that I fall into that category at, in a great many sessions. Um, have I fallen into that category? Uh, I know that I will pause, I will wait, but if nothing's happening, I will even do something knowingly stupid or even a bad idea just to like, <laughs> we need to move the plot along. We need to move, make something happen because we're just sitting here at a stalemate. And one game, I slid stupidly down a stone ramp into the darkness, into the caves for no reason other than, well, we're all just staring at this hole. So I guess I'm going to go down it for about 15, 20 minutes in real life. Uh, and just earlier today, as part of the in-joke of, I'm going to kill this orc in front of this dark one that seems to be one of, him, one of his henchmen. I'm like, this just needs to happen in my mind. This needs to happen. We've been planning long term for a while now, but something needs to happen right now to move the story forward. Right. And now, as a GM, it's very important that when they're doing that, you let them, you let them do it. You don't say, no, you can't. You don't try to derail it. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. There may be negative consequences, mm -hmm. but they'll deal with that. And the the planner, the instigator, they're okay with the consequences because they're taking those actions specifically to see what right. are the consequences. Right. Uh, for instance, I was actually in a game not, not too long ago where I actually had my character instigate. We were going to this uh, temple. There was this gem we were supposed to receive. And like the second room, there was this pedestal with a gem in it. As an experienced player, that's not the gem. I knew it. But I was playing a character with pretty low intelligence. I'm like, eh, why not? I go and grab it. We're, here, we're here for a gem. There's a gem. Yeah, I took <laughs> I took some uh, electricity damage. I, I rolled with it. I'm like, okay, yeah, my character did the stupid thing. So what? Um, for the more for the more long term planning as a GM, you need to give them the chance to be able to plan. Yeah. If somebody says, I want to start an army. You need to make sure that when they're out recruiting, there are people who go, huh, yeah, I could be interested in joining up. Yeah. Let them see their 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 fruits grow. Let, you know, they're going to reap what they sow, but let them sow. Let yeah. them see that growing. Let that harvest come. Um, don't screw them over on every opportunity. Right. Because that just discourages people. And that's getting into how can we how can we turn them off if I'm making plans and I'm trying to make stuff happen and I keep getting shut down. They're going to go, why do I even bother to come into this game? Right. I'd say also as a GM, if you know you have a planner, and, and it might fall instigator, it might fall planner. If you know you have someone who's more of a planner, try to figure out what their end goal is. Like, what are they trying to do? And, you know, not necessarily coach them along it, but give them points here and you there. Present opportunities to work towards that. Exactly. Where, where, they can, where they can fulfill their plan or their goal. Yeah. And this, again, it's a running theme. This goes back to what we were talking about uh, I think it was last week where we're talking about the trust and the communication out of game between mm -hmm. players and GMs, mm -hmm. because you need to talk to you to your player and be like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to get out of this? And if they say, you know, I keep going back to this, I want to build an army because it's a very ambitious thing for a player to do. Yeah. It's a very broad, long reaching goal. You want to build an army. Okay. Now as a DM, I need to think that there's going to be an army being built. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Account for that, plan for that. Don't hand it to them. Don't don't present the path before them. Just make sure that there are opportunities along the way. Don't make that the center point of your story when you already had another story in mind. Just allow that to be something that's happening along the way as they grow as a character. Now, I, 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 I do have to disagree with you a little bit. Um, the You may have a story in mind as a GM, 
But if a player comes up with something and they want to go do that and not do your story, you should, you should let them. I, I think that you should let it go. Now, your story that you originally had planned out may come back into play. You know, the villain who was building the doomsday device may now complete it because the heroes didn't go and stop them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't think you you should. No, I don't want you to derail my plot. Well, I mean, there's different ways to go about it. I'm not saying that one's right or that one's wrong, and I'm not saying that you have to completely ignore getting an army together to go with your story, and I'm not saying you have to... You ignore know, your story whole, to get the yeah, army together. Exactly. You know, I'm just saying, like, they can coexist if you want them to coexist. You know, and again, you don't have to just say, oh, you want to get an army together. Is that, like, are you leaving... You know, that's where it comes down to, I guess, clarifying with your player, too. Like, are you going to abandon your current objectives... If you already have objectives in front of you, that is to go right. establish an army, or you're going to continue on your upon your path, but also work towards this along the way. And if you're going to, okay, well, I know I need to go save the damsel in distress that's in the castle, guarded by the evil lich. Yeah. But along the way, I'd like to start making connections and meeting people, and you know, like slowly start planting the seeds of getting this army rolling. And as I go along, you know, get a garrison, and then you know, again, they can coexist. You can make them all work together and and intertwine them. Right. And that's really, I think, as a as a dungeon master or, or game master, that's what you have to look at. You know, if your players maybe a little less experienced than you are, um, or 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 whatnot, and they say this is what I want to do, give them those nuggets throughout your game, mm-hmm. but make it clear. You know, I kind of have an idea for a game, but give them those nuggets so they feel like they're doing it as well. If your player is someone who's experienced and you can trust, maybe let them know. I kind of planned out this specific game. What what else would you like to see in it? I mean, you can have a powwow with your players. There's nothing against yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, also most people, the average game in my experience is based off of you know adventures. So yeah. you know, you like you 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 get the players together, and usually you bounce from one adventure to the next adventure to the next adventure. During the first adventure, you might just be laying seeds for the starting of that army to go while you're going out and saving the damsel in distress. As soon as that adventure is over, now. We have the whole world opened up. Maybe instead of bouncing straight into another adventure, now we go on the whole giant quest of, like, I now have a small band of heroes together. I've gotten the, the beginnings of my garrison. Now we're going to go make it the main priority of our life to form a large army. Exactly. You exactly. Know, and then just lead one right into the other and just have the next adventure or major plotline being assembling that army. And then everyone wins. You know, the DM gets to run the, the adventure that he was planning on. And instead of having to come up with a whole new idea, guess what? The player came up with the next idea all for me. <laughs> so got to be uh, moving along a little bit here um, but we got a nice little segue in there when you talk about rescuing the damsel in distress the world opens up and now we are in the field of the explorer mm. the explorer is the person who's the DM has laid out a world before us let's go check it out and find the cool stuff exactly yeah uh, you, you, as a GM you got to make sure that you have some Essentially, you're building a sandbox, you know, um, have a world in front of you, have some plot points there and and maybe a, a few special areas, you know, but there are different styles. Sandbox yeah, is sandbox one of them. Sandbox is definitely one. I think dungeon hacking falls completely within exploring. You yeah. know what I mean? Going just, I'm going to go check out this Temple of Doom mm-hmm. and see if there's a cool diamond in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, know? sure. You know, that's completely exploring. By the way, we will be covering sandbox versus uh, a little more streamlined in a later episode. <laughs> Always got to plug the topic list. Oh, grand yes. list of topics. Oh, yes. Uh, by the way, if you have any suggestions for topics, we can definitely take commentary on that on our message boards. Yeah, got to keep the plugs up. 
Um, so explorers, mm -hmm. how do you identify an explorer? How do you s tell that somebody's interested in exploration? Oh, they yeah. want to know everything that's around them. I think is a big yeah. thing. Like, no, they want to know their environment intimately because the more they know about their environment, the more they can choose to interact with their environment. Yeah. Like detail oriented. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're they going like to props and maps. Exactly. They're going to latch onto those maps. If you have a world history written up, you know, they'll, they'll want to know what that is and maybe be like, well, that thing sounded yep. cool. I want to go see it. You yeah. Know? That's, that's a big one there. Right. When you said mystery. Yeah. Like if you put an explorer, there is an unknown phenomenon happening here. The explorer is going, it's not going to be unknown for long. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is it could be a grand mystery. could be, you could do a murder mystery and explorer uh, would enjoy that um, because they want to figure out the thing. They want, they want answers. They, yeah. They would rather leave the table with more answers than questions. Uh, it's not exactly the same as what we'll be covering later. The, uh, the, was it the puzzle? The problem solver. The problem solver. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, going to be a little bit more in their field but with the explorer they want they're going to like those visual aids they're going to want them you know and they're going to if you if you make something sound cool they're going to want to go to the cool thing is essentially yeah i mean a lot of players or i should say even characters are kind of referred to as adventurers yeah and i think the explorer archetype is kind of implanted a little bit in your average player like there's some degree of explorer in most players most yeah. all players because there's that adventuring aspect like i want to go oh i mean because it's also like really hidden and even like your your prefab modules like the low level stuff like you wander into town and you hear about there's a ghost supposedly haunting the nearby cave and bothering the miners and everyone's right. like i want to go check it out right exactly <laughs> i want to go see what, <laughs> i want to go see what this is all about Let's go check that out. Uh, it's yeah. just an old guy in a costume trying to scare kids away to build his amusement park. Yeah, right. <laughs> that could be the case. You know, and, and maybe having, uh, you know, your characters have to send a message to X town. There's two paths. You can go around the forest or through it. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Right. The explorer is going to want to go through it. Yeah. Nine times in ten. Like, uh, it's faster to go through it. There's more interesting crap when we go through it. Yeah, we're going through it. <laughs> Why wouldn't we go through yeah. that? Yeah. So, uh. So turning off the explorer, how do, how, do, how do you how do you shut down? Like, I don't want to say shut down because I don't want people to be like, I need to shut down this character. But yeah. what would you do that this that the explorer would react negatively to? You think? Um, I think honestly, that you want to shut to negatively impact an explorer is to literally shut them down. Like you describe their environment, but every time they try to interact with it, you thwart them somehow. That would yeah. probably be the biggest thing. Is like you want to think of. When you're describing an area, and even if you're specifically asked about like a room and you're just trying to make up details, do not make up details that cannot be interacted with. Think of it as like the, there's a shotgun rule in movies. Jerry, you're familiar with the... Um, I said... I can't remember. Well, I can't remember the, the name of, yeah, but of the, the theory is like If they show you a shotgun on the wall in the cabinet at the beginning of the movie, before the end of that movie, that shotgun better be used. Right. Like, don't show us unnecessary information. I think and it like, was Dorchevsky, maybe? Yeah, so... Chekhov's gun? Yes, Chekhov. That's, that's what it was. Chekhov's gun. Or the law of conservation of detail. Yeah, yeah. so... And again, like, there's there's one part, just, yeah, you're trying to add atmosphere, you're trying to add environment, but don't blatantly throw out words trying to add, you know, trying to describe a room if those words are then going to come back and bite you in the butt because you don't want them to take advantage of what comes out of your mouth, you're going to have to make sure you're thinking about what's going on or have it pre-planned, depending on how good you are at improvisation. Because if you go... 
player goes into a room and it's like, okay, well, in the corner there's a big crack in the wall. Looks like someone might be able to get through it. It's a, you know, well, how big is it? Oh, it's about big enough that maybe like your gnome might be able to fit through it. Okay, well, we're gonna send the gnome through. <laughs> oh crap! We might even, we might even tie a rope to him so we can pull him back later. Um, there's no no. Um, she goes about two feet in and there's nothing. Well, then what the hell was there a hole in the wall for? Right. It was completely needless and unnecessary. Well, I was trying to add atmosphere to the room. Completely needless and unnecessary information if it can't be interacted with. Right. Right. And, you know, if you say that there's a bookshelf, you better know what type of books are on there because the explorer is going to check it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'd say another kind of turnoff for the uh, explorer, especially if you know you have a few in your group, is having a centralized game. Like if you have a, an overland map and you have all these other things out there and then you say, now you're going to solve a murder mystery in this city and you can't go anywhere until you do it. You know it's going to take a few sessions. That could be kind of a kind of a turnoff there. Yeah, that could be kind of a turnoff. I mean, as the if the player has never played in that town before, it offers them an opportunity to intimately explore the town. Yes, I think you certainly you know, have the chance to still explore the, mystery, the town. You know, yes. and there's still the mystery aspect of the murder mystery in that particular hypothetical. And I think you also you as a DM uh, to sort of cater to your explorers there, you're going to want to flesh out the city in more detail. Right. So yeah, as definitely. they're stuck in the city for a few sessions solving this murder, they're going to be able to 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 get deeper and to to meet this new and interesting characters yeah. and to find out you know what's going on here that I hadn't previously found out about. So yeah. I guess that would be the you know that would be the trick is making sure that if you do exactly. centralize them that you have very vivid detail of all the all the NPCs, yeah. all the details, how many, you know, how are there, is there more than one tavern in this town? How many, you know, how many law enforcement officers are there? What's the captain's name? What's the lieutenant's name? What's the sergeant's right. name? You know, what's the name of the mayor of the city? Like, you need to have those details because they're going to ask you. Uh. And if you centralize them in a location and then you give them really bland information or lack of information or really bland details, that's when they're going to be like, so there's three buildings, and there's blood behind building number one. And right. NPC Jack off, you know, you know, NPC John Smith number three came in and was like, "Oh no, there's been a murder." That's when everyone's yeah. gonna be like, Pfft. and that all it takes it takes prep. I know I was talking earlier, and I said I can tell you I do the exact same amount of prep for all of my games, and that amount is not enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. You got to put in that work beforehand, before you get to the table, so that when the explorer goes for that, here's what we're doing. Here's what you yeah. got. Or at least have enough prep done that you have the list of random NPC names. You can start pulling them out, and you're making notes the whole time. So now in the future, those can be reoccurring NPCs. Or when the adventure goes, um, so yeah, Mrs. Madeline. I talked to her yesterday, you know, in the in the tavern, and she told me this. I want to go back and talk to her again and clarify some stuff. And you're not just sitting there with your jaw open, going, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> and bringing that all into to a nice cohesive unit is going to engage the last type that we're talking about today: the storyteller. Yeah. The storyteller is looking at. There's a broad, overarching story. And I want to see it through. I want to help contribute it to it. Yeah, They're actually very close, I think, to the actor. But where right. the actor is, I have a character. The storyteller is, there's a tale. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they're about plot, the overall, the overall story. I think they're kind of, like you said, they're very similar to the actor. They also care very much about having a background. But they're also going to probably be a little bit more oriented around questioning, like, does this fit in your world? Right. Does this background cohesively work 
in conjunction with the um, the regional history of this area, you know. And this was something earlier. You said uh, an actor is somebody who comes up and goes, here's my background. I see someone come up and go, here's my background. I think storyteller. Hmm. I can see that, yeah. Um, I think the actor may have a great idea of their character, but the storyteller knows where that character has already been and yeah. wants to see where they're going next. Yeah, well, again, I mean, again, because I almost always require backgrounds for my my games, having a lot of backgrounds being handed me over the years, I, again, I don't instantly put um, backgrounds into storyteller. I get the people that start like questioning Chris me about his background. Like, he's a really big storyteller, storyteller, at least in my world. Again, they, like, does this fit? Or can I do this? Can I write a storyline that is making up information in your area because you don't have this one particular region that well fleshed out, but maybe I can make this a part of your history now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's very worried about or, you know, engaged in how his background fits with the world, but also if his background can maybe influence or affect the world. He like, he wants to be a part of the big plot. He wants to be a part of the big story. Right. And I think storytellers can be uh, they can be very helpful, uh, uh, you know, if they're, you know, uh, you know, when they're contributing to what it is that you're trying to do or to the game itself, they can be helpful. Not only do they want to maybe add to the history or background, but also, you know, if the if there's obviously a narrative or plot that you're trying to run for your game, the storyteller is going to be basically your ace in the hole. You know, everyone's going to yeah. kind of do their thing, but eventually the storyteller is going to bring everyone back and be like, hey, guys, don't forget this is the thing we're really supposed to be doing. And and this is why we're also discussing identifying our players so that you know who's going to be the one to speak up to say that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I would I would think that uh, really the biggest and maybe only real turnoff for a storyteller would just n- not letting them contribute in that, in that fashion. I had an interesting um, piece for storytelling uh, with the game that I'm currently running, Shadow of the Tower, I actually, right off, I told people I would much rather that you come up with a character than a backstory. Mm-hmm. And so we it kind of alienated those storytellers a little while really bringing in out the actor side of the players. And I just barely got them to the point where I really showed them that this is why your backstory doesn't matter. Um, it's a, too long of details to get into now, but now I gave them that whole justification and, and there was just that revelation of, oh, this all does fit into the bigger picture. Um, yeah. I took a gamble or I took a gamble as a DM early on and then I got to see that pay off and it's like, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so you just you need to balance that out. I was worried about I was worried about having people that are strong on the storyteller shut down, and we got through it. And I think I, I, I roped them in even further. Yeah, definitely it feels great as a DM to do stuff like that. Discouraging a storyteller would be all action all the time and no story, no role playing. I think certainly hack and slash is going to deter your storyteller along with your act actors. Uh, I mean, to an extent, you know, you could have... I a, didn't say alienate them, you know, just yeah. discourage. I mean, right. yeah, there, I mean, there could be an overall arc to it, but yeah, mostly you're right. Yeah. And we are focusing on the role-playing half of the role-playing gamer, right? you know, with with today's topics. So, yeah, they're certainly going to probably be more interested in the actual role-playing aspect of the game, or how the, the storyteller, how the game is going to unfold. Right, yeah, because the yeah. storyteller wants to see not only what's happening, what has happened, but where it's going. Exactly. They want to see that plot unfold. And if all you're doing is just combat all the time, then yes, the, the combats might be leading to something, but really, I mean, like, if it's just hack and slash, just dungeon hacking, 
kill, 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 next room, kill, 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 the storyteller is probably going to get a little bit bored until eventually they get to some payoff sometime or, you know, crossing their fingers the yeah. whole time. Well, there are some tricks that you can use in there as well. Even if it's combat after combat after combat, well, maybe in the first combat they find a medallion with a unique symbol on it, and then they find it on another symbol, and then they go to their next town and... Oh, hey, that symbol showed up again. Now the storyteller is like, oh, so there's a story behind, there's, there's a tale connecting the symbol. It's all part of the greater world. We've, we've got a recurring theme going on here. Let's yeah. explore that. Exactly. Yeah. And that would be, again, that would be crossing their fingers, hoping for the payoff. But that's also adding in, you know, a little bit of exploring in between. You know, I'm just really just, you know, again, using hack and slash as the term of like, we're not really role playing. We're not really doing a lot of adventuring. We're really just we're we're a bunch of people that likes to sit around the table and roll dice, which is going to be more of the character concepts or player types that we're going to be covering in our next episode. So check it out. Did we want to um, cover like negative aspects of these or not? No, okay. That's why I paused. <laughs> oh Jesus! He's like, I was sleeping. Sorry, girl. I was trying to just do a marker. Yeah. <laughs> Could have just snapped. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so next week we will actually be covering the other side, the yep. gamer side of the role-playing gamers. So definitely come back next week, check that out. We'll be discussing a little bit more. Uh, in the meantime, feel free to check us out on our message boards, GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com on Twitter at GMS Studios. And I'd also like to take a moment to say we do have a link on Twitter to Jared's F to Life Studios project. He's doing some uh, films, setting up some Kickstarters and looking to fund that. So we promised we'd give him a plug today. There you go, Jared. Yeah. Go. I didn't ask for this. No, he, he didn't. We actually... It's a, it's a present. We, we sat down and said, do you mind if we do this? Are you okay with us getting people to give you money? Um, Shameless self-promotion. So uh, if you want to check it out, support it, we'd appreciate it. Uh, don't feel obligated to, and we'll probably be bringing it up for the next few shows anyway if you're not sick of it already. Um, and, of course, you can look us up on Facebook, send us comments, let us know what you want for topics, what you want to hear, and we'll be... Uh, We'll be back next time we're in the studio to talk about the other half, the gamers of the role-playing game. So we will see you next time. Bye.